CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. It's Friday, and that means it is time for Options Action. I'm Melissa Lee, joined by Carter Worth, Mike Cohen, and Tony Zhang. The major indices just barely pulled up out of bear market territory today to close essentially flat. What does one do when clinging to the edge of a precipice? On this show, we use options to risk less, to make or maybe in this case, preserve more. <laughs> but let's get right to it here. One of the worst performing sectors today, industrials. The sector dropping 1%, now down 15% for the year. But if you want to be constructive on the group, Carter and Mike have some thoughts before you hop in. Carter, take it away. Yes, let's plunge right in. First chart is a comparative chart. Two lines, very straightforward. It's a five-year chart simply looking at the S&P 500 and the sector. In this case, we're using the SPIDER, that's the XLI Industrial Select ETF. And what we know, and you can see it there in the lines, the orange line, industrials essentially peaked a year ago and have never sort of participated in the ongoing rally that has, of course, all come undone uh, when the market peaked in January of this year. So reference points. The next chart looks at, similar exercise to what we were doing in the top of the hour, where we are now juxtaposed against the pre-COVID high. And so you can see there's not that much air left. And while it doesn't have to stop there, that's a major reference point. And that would be down 3% from where we are now, essentially. The next chart puts in context where support comes into play. And now support, again, is not a plywood board or concrete floor. It's a mattress top. You sink into support. You get to support, and then you can go into support. Were we to get down to that second line where real, real support, that's another uh, from here, 8%, but still tolerable and not out of the question. And the final XLI chart is what would that represent? Were we to be fully into support, it would represent a 25% decline, peak to trough from the highs of essentially a year ago. All right. So, Mike, what's the trade off of these charts? Yeah, so I mean, we have a situation here. I mean, we we touched into bear market territory today. I'm I'm not convinced. I think that uh, all of the damage is done, and of course, in a situation like this, we have high options prices, but they are not necessarily expensive given the kinds of moves that we're that we're seeing. Now, of course, the real news for the industrials today was John Deere's results. I think John Deere's results really. Uh, a lot of people thought that might have been a safe haven that. Uh, agricultural equipment would be supported by high agricultural commodity prices. And what we found out today, of course, is that although we do have high agricultural commodity prices, they also have high input costs as well. And the results were fairly disappointing. So I think what we can do here is take a look at using a diagonal spread. Now, sometimes when I use diagonal spreads, uh, we're looking to make sure that if it moves too far in one direction, uh, even our favorite direction, which in this case might be just a little bit lower, uh, we want to spread those diagonals out so that we are not spending more than the distance between the strikes. However, in this case, I happen to think that most of the damage to the industrials for now is likely uh, has been done already. So I was looking specifically at the September 86 
puts, purchasing those for about $3.65 and then selling the nearer dated June 84 puts against them for a dollar. Now, those June puts should decay more rapidly than the longer dated ones that I own. Of course, if the industrials really cratered from here, something I don't think is going to happen, but if they did and it went down very far, then of course we could begin to see losses down around the 75 level, but that would be quite a move uh, lower from where we currently sit. So I think this is a way to take advantage of how options prices are setting up, anticipating a little bit uh, further downside, kind of in line with the, what Carter was charting there, but probably not a whole lot more damage after that. Mm -hmm. Tony, what's your take on this? Yeah, so when you take a look at that chart of industrials, what you see is that we are trading near relative lows. And there's always some concern about, are we chasing this market lower? But I think the important part is to look at that relative chart of industrials relative to the market. And if you look, despite the underperformance of the sector, over the past year or so, it's traded largely in lockstep with the market. And right now, we're actually near the upper bound of the range from industrials relative to the market. So I actually think now is a good time to look for an entry for industrials to underperform the broader markets. And if you look with, within the, the sector itself, you know, Mike referred to the John Deere results today. That certainly is going to uh, impact the industrials. But once part of the particular sector that I'm still paying attention to right now are the shipping names. If you look at Union Pacific, if you look at UPS, these are stocks that are recently broken below some major support levels that I think some can see some further downside. But I think Mike's right is that the damage is largely done. And I particularly like the strike prices that he has chosen on this diagonal spread because of the risk that he's referring to. He's paying more than the distance between the, the strikes. That means he does have downside risk. But if you look at the $84 level, that's my target level here, uh, or some of the chart levels that Carter is referring to. And those are the exact levels that Mike has chosen to sell that short strike. That's where he's going to have maximum profit by that June expiration. So I like how we're aligning the technicals with the, uh, the option strikes to try to maximize our potential yield on this diagonal spread. Last word, Carter. One thing to note, of course, all sectors are influenced by the market cap weighting of certain stocks. If you take this sector of 71 stocks, which is skewed towards Caterpillar, Deer, Union Pacific, and you equal weight it, the equal weight sector is outperforming the actual weight, which speaks to some extent uh, that we're getting closer to the end uh, than would be expected. All right. Well, as markets continue their wild swings, Tony's setting up uh, short trades on a couple of already beaten up big tech names he thinks are ready to head even lower still. So, Tony, despite the reversal that we saw into the close, Apple is one name you're looking at. Uh, yeah, that's ex exactly right. If you look at kind of the, the carnage we've seen out of the markets this week, whether you look at names like Target or John Deere, while <clears throat> if you look at the names, the tech names like Apple, while they're somewhat insulated from this type of uh, inflationary concerns and slowdown in terms of the consumer, I don't think the, they're immune. And I, if you look at the chart itself, I don't necessarily think they've reflected some of the risks that we've seen from the markets this week. If we look at a chart here of Apple, I think the key level to pay attention to is $140, $140. We broke that level here just today. And I think this is the concern that there's further downside. And you can draw your lines multiple ways, whether you want to draw a horizontal line on $140, or if you start to look at some of the trend lines that we're starting to break here on Apple, I would argue that we haven't seen the downside here in Apple relative to some of the, the real carnage that we've seen here in the broader markets. So from that perspective, you know, it's hard to poke holes in the Apple's business model. And it's certainly hard to even 
uh, justify from a valuation perspective as to why this might be an op opportunity to buy. But I think you really have to consider the fact that the market is not trading on valuations. It's not trading as much on fundamentals. And that's really why I think you do see some downside targets into that 120 level. Now, because we're cognizant of the fact that we are chasing near relative lows here on Apple, I do want to use a trade structure that allows us to risk a relatively small percentage of the stock's value. So I'm using a debit spread, specifically an out-of-the-money debit spread. I'm going out to June, and I'm buying the 130 120 debit spread, paying about earlier today about $2.33 for this debit spread. As of today's close, because of the sort of uh, buying that we saw into the close, this is trading now at about a dollar uh, under about a dollar eighty. So you're actually paying less than 20% of the vertical width to pay for this debit spread. That's about just a little over 1% of the stock's value. This allows us, allows us to take some downside exposure and potentially play for a collapse in some of these names if we do see some further weakness while risking a very small percentage of the stock's value to do so. Before we get to Mike's take on this trade, Carter, I want to know how you are drawing your lines for Apple. Well, uh, just the way Tony's drawing, because Tony knows how to draw his lines. Uh, the point <laughs> is, and, and we talked about this at the top of the hour, that first chart, Tony was showing where we are in relation to that spike high of September, um, Apple's made no relative progress to the market. And that spike high, Apple was trading higher above its 150-day moving average at any time in the past 12 years. And it's really never gotten over that moment of excess. All right. So now, Mike, what do you say? Uh, well, a couple things. I mean, first of all, when Netflix announced that they actually had a decline in subscribers, that really shocked a lot of people. And of course, Apple is not the same kind of company as Netflix is necessarily. But, you know, we have seen some real signs of weakness amongst consumers. And there's a couple things that we ought to just remember about Apple. Number one, there was a lengthy period of time where it traded at a multiple considerably lower than the one where it is right now. And the other is that if we have weak consumers, at some point, that could hit them. And it'll probably come as a big surprise uh, if and when it does. So I, I think that if we see anything like that, then there most certainly could be uh, further downside for the name. All right. So, Tony, what's the next victim? <laughs> Unfortunately, if you look at names like Tesla, you have almost an identical chart setup, and I would argue uh, very similar, uh, you know, concerns around inflationary pressures and the slowdown here around consumer. And that important level here for Tesla is $700, which again we also cracked today. And even at the close, we couldn't manage to get a back above that $700 level. So from my perspective, you have the same risk here for Tesla. You're chasing near relative lows. And the way to do so, in my opinion, especially with the implied volatilities as high as they are, the IV rank on Tesla right now is at 80%. So the only way to potentially play for downside here is to use a similar trade structure that I did here for Apple using the June 620, 600 put spread. Spending earlier today about $7.80 for that debit spread. Earlier as, as of the close here today, it's actually trading about $6.55. So I'm paying just about one third of the vertical width here for this out of the money put uh, debit spread. And the, again, the goal here is to consider the fact that I am chasing lows and I want to do so in a way that limits my risk. And here by using a debit spread that costs $655 per contract on a roughly $660 stock, 
means I'm risking 1% of the stock's value. So very tr similar trade structure, almost identical trade setup from a chart perspective, and I would argue from a valuations perspective, far uh, greater valuation that we've seen here on Tesla. So I think there's further downside potential in Tesla than there is in Apple. Mike, your take. Yeah, I don't think Tesla has ever really traded on its fundamentals, certainly not its trailing fundamentals. But the interesting thing about the trade structure that Tony is using here is that this is a way that you can take a relatively small amount of capital and apply a bearish bet to a very expensive stock just in dollar terms. And that's not something you can do by shorting the stock. So if you're inclined to take his directional thesis, then I think this is a good way to do it. All right. Still to come, just because you uh, crypto hold your crypto holdings have been smashed to bits of coin doesn't mean you can't rebuild something constructive out of them. We'll show you how. For everything Options Action, check out our website, sign up for our newsletter, much more Options Action right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Check out Bitcoin dropping below 30,000 as the crypto crash continues. The space has gotten crushed this year from Terra to Luna and everything in between. But the Bitcoin breakdown doesn't mean that your portfolio needs to take a beating. If you're in the crypto space, there is some good news. Mike Cohen, Carter Worth are here to show you how to add a little extra coin to your pocket. Carter. Sure. So what we know, of course, is this is nothing new for Bitcoin. Uh, look at the table that comes up on your screen. I mean, basically, how many times has Bitcoin sold off 50% or more? The key is from an all-time high, meaning having achieved a new record. And you see it there on your screen. It's kind of every year, year and a half. This one is currently 63%, uh, the sell-off now from its peak of November. And the question is, does it go more? That's my thinking. Uh, let's look at the charts. The first chart shows where we are in relation to where we've been and the authority and importance of the 30,000 level. So we had that recent plunge about three weeks ago, dropping from 36 to 30,000, about five sessions and actually undercut went as low as 25 intraday. Um, and then we've been stuck here. Now, the longer you sit at a level without bouncing, um, the more at risk you are of finally undercutting that level, hence the arrow that I've drawn. So where might we be headed? Look at the next two charts. The first one is a longer term chart citing exactly that level, the 30,000 level. Now, were we simply to break and break hard here, the final chart puts it in context. The key reference point is its spike high of late 2017. And while it doesn't look like much on the chart, that's essentially dropping to 20,000. And I think it happens pretty quickly. Mike, what's the trade? Yeah, so of course we can't really trade options on Bitcoin itself, but there are plenty of equity proxies. Uh, many of them are very well known. Certainly MicroStrategy would fall into that camp. And so of course would Coinbase. And Coinbase is the one that I'm taking a look at. Now an important thing I think I'd just like to mention about this whole space is that 
you know, the crypto area tends to skew probably a little bit younger in terms of the investor base. Um, and just as a reminder to some of the younger investors that might be participating in it who weren't participating in the tech wreck in 2001 and two, what tends to happen is prices will swing a lot further than you expect. Um, and what ends up happening when you do see these kinds of declines, you'll realize that we've come you know, down so far, it becomes very difficult psychologically to try to press a short in that circumstance because everybody gets very used to the notion that you should buy every dip. So one of the ways that you can do this is actually very similar to the trade that we were talking about in the first block about XLI. And I'm specifically looking at another diagonal put spread, specifically in this case, looking at the September 65 puts, purchasing those. Now, you'll notice, and this is not surprising given the volatility that we see both in uh, all of the cryptos, but anything that's associated with them. So you'll notice that the September 65 puts in Coinbase cost $16. That's, a, that's well more than 20% of the strike price. Of course, that also applies to near dated options. So we're looking at selling the June 60s. Uh, those were also over $6. And once again, the idea here is to try to collect the decay on an accelerating basis that the near-dated options will have. You'll notice when you take a look at the payoff graph that if Coinbase simply stays roughly where it is, uh, this would see profits. And of course, ideally, it would see profits if it uh, drops a little bit more. Now, it would need to fall below 45 before we would expect to lose on the downside. That would be quite a significant move lower, though, from where we are right now. I mean, that's uh, we're talking about another third again, uh, lower than where the stock is currently trading. Is this a trade you'd put on, Tony? Um, so I, I, let's take a look at some of the names, uh, the, the levels here that Carter's referring to in Bitcoin before I comment on that. If we look at the 30,000 level, which Bitcoin has broken down, and Carter's charts show you back in 2017, that $20,000 level, that's your immediate target. I, as he says, I think we're going to get that really quickly. As Mike said, th things can go a little bit further than we expect. The downside target beyond 20,000 is 13,000. So we're really talking about potentially another 50%, more than 50% haircut to the uh, where Bitcoin's currently trading right now. As to what, what does that correlate to in terms of Coinbase's stock price, that's the difficult thing to nail down at the moment. So from my perspective, if you look at Coinbase, there's clearly a chart that's very oversold, that it's very difficult to continue to chase this. But you did have a quite nice bounce here, if you will, over the past couple of weeks, and that potentially is your opportunity to re-enter a short. So while I agree with Mike's trade on a potentially re-entry on a short position here for Coinbase, uh, for me, I'm not as, uh, as keen on this particular diagonal spread. But for me, just to explain a little bit, the, the diagonal spread makes a lot of sense because of the difference in implied volatility between the September options that he's purchasing and the uh, June options that he's selling. The Septembers are currently trading about 120% volatility and the Junes are trading at 140%. He's selling the short dated higher volatility options and buying the longer dated uh, uh, lower volatility options despite as, as elevated as they are. My concern here is really the short strike here, the $60 strike that he's using because we have a gap fill at around $60. That's really where I think that the stock can trade down to very quickly. 
But my concern is that this is gonna get back down to those new all-time lows, especially if we talk about where uh, Bitcoin potentially can trade down to that 20,000 and potentially 13,000. What that means for Coinbase, hard for me to say, but I think that there could be some downside and risk that it does get below $45 relatively quickly. Up next, answers to some of your tough questions after another wild week in the markets. We're taking your tweets when Options Action returns. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first viewer asks, Halliburton and Mosaic Options are expiring this week. What do you suggest for the trade? Mike, what do you say? Yeah, so we had a call spread risk reversal on. I'm still long Halliburton shares, and I am inclined to sell some upside calls against it. So call spread risk reversals would set up an options trade that's similar to the position I hold in the underlying with my overlays. All right. Our next viewer asks, I own 100 shares of KWeb at 49. Should I sell a covered call at 32 by June 17th? Tony? Uh, when you're underwater like this on a stock and you want to sell cover calls, you want to ca- uh, you want to prioritize capital appreciation. So use a low delta, 15 delta, that translates to about a 33 strike price for the June expiration. That'll collect about 1% over the next 30 days. All right. Our next viewer asks, do the triple Qs fill the 350 and 360 gap? Carter, take that one, please. Yeah, those are far above, right? The the 348 exact gap would be a, a 20% move from here, and the higher one, the 360 that you refer to, would be 25%. Uh, I don't think those are in the cards anytime soon. All right. Up next, uh, more tweets and the final call. Time for more tweets. Our next fan asks, my favorite ETF and contrarian indicator EWZ seems to be doing a good job ignoring the bearish sentiment. Is it a good candidate for a bullish calendar spread? Thanks. Never miss the show. Thanks for watching. Uh, Tony, what do you say? I would say it absolutely is. The relative performance of Brazil as an inter- emerging market relative to the U.S. makes it a good candidate. My upside targets here immediately are 35 and 38 to the upside. So consider that in selecting your strike prices for that diagonal. All right. Time now for the final call. Last word from the options pits. Carter Worth. Bitcoin. It's ominous. I would get out of the way. Ominous. A Tony. Uh, I see downside risks in names like Apple and Tesla buying a put spread in both names. Myco. If we're nearing an intermediate bottom, just to put a little bit more on the downside, XLI diagonal put spreads. All right, that does it for us here on Options Action. See you back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Meantime, Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.